Hi, everyone, again, and thanks for being here. So tonight, as we continue this investigation of the Eightfold Path, we are moving into the next section, which is sila, or ethical behavior. And I really like this part. I mean, I like the whole Eightfold Path. Um, but ethical behavior, integrity, sila, is how we interact with the rest of the world. And in, in this, this section, there is right speech, right action, and right livelihood. And, and right action kind of encompasses the, the, most of the precepts. I'll talk about that next week. We spent the last two weeks looking at right uh, view, understanding, and right intention. And those two are the factors that really bring, the first one brings clarity. So it's kind of a bust delusion and we understand the nature of suffering with the Four Noble Truths and, and understand impermanence and the characteristics of existence and uh, dukkha, the dissatisfactory nature and that there's no fixed self, we are all conditioned beings. And then intention is this intention to live with renunciation of, of letting go of what doesn't serve, letting go of attachment and aversion and, and uh, moving through the world with a heart and of goodwill and compassion. So that is, those are two antidotes, the antidotes of um, craving and aversion. So that is kind of moving us in the direction and now we get into the actual interaction with other beings, other people, and being in, cultivating a way to live that is in harmony with others. And the first of these factors is wise speech or right speech, which is um, really important. It has its own factor. I don't know where I heard that. Um, I think it was Gregory Kramer's book, A Whole Life Path. He says it's so important it has its own uh, factor and it's not just speech in in the Buddhist time it was pro you know most of the means of communication was through speech there was no technology like TV and movies and radios and telephones there was there was written language but it was people were not literate so people were not reading books and things it was it was uh, much more uh, uh, confined to particular um, people's classes of people and such. In fact, the Buddhist teachings weren't written down for a couple hundred years after he died. But today, there is the plethora of ways of communicating. So I say wise speech or right speech, but I actually mean communication. It's however we communicate with others. It's really important to bring this clarity and and this integrity to our speech our communication and i really like gregory kramer's book a whole life path because he he talks about the basic things but he also talks about other things that are really important and he talks about um how when we communicate we condition our mind this creation of the the thing we're going to say it's it comes from our conditioned mind and then when we communicate with others we condition their minds so there's this continual interplay this this um 
this feedback loop a lot of times, whether it's in person or via via writing or something else. And so it's really important to uh, recognize that um, what we communicate has impact. You know, when it, things once we say it, it's like, oh, my God, that's why Google, I think it's in Gmail, where it's like you have X amount of time to go, no, pull that text, pull that email back, because it's like, oh, my God, what have I said? Or, you know, I don't know if you can pull your texts back or you go in and you edit, you, you know, you delete your, your Twitter world. So, but, you know, they, as you see, they still find ways. So things we say can have impact. So we have to really be cautious about how we do that. And um, uh, the Buddha, what the Buddha taught is that um he said in the sutta, in many suttas, he said, you have to avoid wrong speech. And wrong speech is false or divisive or abusive or idle. And cultivate wise or right speech, which is timely, true, gentle, necessary or beneficial and spoken in a friendly way. And we'll get, I'll get more into that. And, and when you think about that, you see it's how intention Wise intention underlies and wise intention is necessary for this wise speech because there's the 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 um, couple of these these uh, things talk about gentleness and friendliness, which is intention. Our intention is to be kind towards ourselves, towards others. And so to. Um, all these factors support each other. You know, mindfulness, paying attention to what we say, and um, being cautious and kind in how we interact with others. Mindfulness supports wise communication also because we have to pay attention. Because so much of our communication, our, our, our speech, our body language, our uh texting or responses to social media is driven by reactivity we experience something somebody says something to us we read something we hear something and depending on what it is we can just respond in a or react in a heartbeat and oftentimes that when we're responding that way, it's not necessarily beneficial. It's not necessarily kind because there's some maybe some fear, some anger that's triggered. And when we're not paying attention, we can cause harm. I know I have done that. I, I really try and pay attention to the things I say. I will take a couple of days sometimes to respond to an email or a, uh, a text or a, a phone message, but the circumstances are right. I can like bammo say something really harsh to someone. Um, I've told the story like the people who park in front of my house and move my garbage cans, and I have I I just kind of go off on them, and I think I can because they're shopping at the gun store so my mind has told me that it's okay to do that but it's not okay to talk harshly to people regardless of what they're doing so this is this wise communication is a stepping back from this impulsiveness 
it's really bringing mindfulness, which is another factor of the path that comes um, later in, in, um, in the Samadhi piece to really slow it down and begin to recognize this is this is also tied in with the second foundation of mindfulness recognizing when things are pleasant or unpleasant because if it's unpleasant that's where the reactivity can often happen that 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 uh, how dare you x y or z um so there's a lot of emotional reactivity that can be present and it can be really powerful. Also our body language. And, you know, I was, I was thinking about this when you're, um, when you're giving a Dharma talk or when you're talking to someone. The other person doesn't have to say anything, but body language is really loud. Like if you're talking to someone and they roll their eyes. You know, that is communication, which impacts then perhaps what I say next. You know, or if I'm if I'm giving a talk and some people are laughing, it's like, oh, I'm going to go down that road. So there's impact, condition, condition, condition. So you can see how this communication is. This conditioning leads to more conditioning, leads to reactivity or response from conditioning. So. As much awareness as we can bring to our, our, our communication, it's really, really important. And there's also a piece in this about listening, receiving input, and making space for the other person to be able to communicate. I talk about the gift of listening because so often we're tied up in our own story. Like you're talking to me, and I'm halfway thinking about what I'm going to respond. And I'm not actually hearing what you have to say because I'm making it about myself. I, me, we, or you're bringing up some emotions. Or in my case, I will not even let you finish because I want to agree or I want to disagree or I want to say me too or whatever. And in fact, Kramer talks about this. Um, he says... The problem is the um, when we're listening, we're absorbed in locating and defining a self in relation to the communication we're receiving. The less attention we have left over to actually receive and understand that communication or to be present with the communicator. So as we're responding, even in our minds, we're not actually experiencing what they're saying fully and in fact um you know it's it's really this um we make it all very very personal and it may not be personal but we we receive it per and create a personal sort of story around it there was a teacher i heard years ago who said count to 10 before you respond like if somebody's talking to you count to 10 and I suck at that, but I've done it occasionally and a lot of or a few times when I have, I'm counting to 10 and the person just starts talking again. They actually haven't finished. And so you're giving an opportunity to the to the other person to fully communicate what they're trying to say. So um, it's really um it's, it's so important to have that clarity, right view, and that mindfulness as we move into this wise speech. And so I want to talk about um, 
wrong speech and right speech and um, how, you know, you can reflect and see how does this show up in your life? Because I know they're all in my life. Um, So false speech is obviously lying, um, has to be avoided at all costs. And in fact, the Buddha said this was like one of the paramount um, uh, problems or indiscretions or things that you can do wrong. He said, when he was talking to Rahula, his son, he said, when one is not ashamed to tell a deliberate lie, there is no evil one would not do. So it's like a stepping stone to causing harm and doing evil. And I think it's one of the one of the the only or one of the very few things that will get a monastic kicked out of an order out of the monastery is lying because you break trust. It's like you this person cannot be trusted. If a person is lying, they can't be trusted. And so it's incredibly important, this aspect of truthfulness and this and and staying away from false speech. You know, it's um, it's it's not only impactful on the other person, but it's also impactful on us because, you know, we lie, people lie for various reasons to um, get out of uh, uh, being punished for things. That was my, I was a liar. I was very, very good at lying because I was always afraid of what would happen if I told the truth. I mean, from an early age, I mean, I'm talking a kid and it just carried with me. And I remember the first time I told the truth at work when my boss said, who did this? Who made this mistake or something? And I said, I did. And he goes, "Okay, let's see how we can fix it. And I was like, I was ready to be fired. It was just the story. I was just operating from story and from fear. But it can it can cause um, a lot of problems because what happens is it just then we just kind of move into that um, that place of of not not being truthful, not being honest, a little bit of delusion because what starts happening is we have sometimes believe the lies we're we're telling. We create a story to justify some behavior or something, and then we move into this place. Of uh, belief, I was with. I was talking to someone a couple of months ago, and he was telling me something, and I was like, in my head, I was like, "You are lying. You are absolutely lying." And then I reflected a little bit more, and I realized he actually was not necessarily lying. He was caught in absolute delusion. I think he had created this scenario to kind of protect himself in some way years ago and it now became his reality but it was so far removed from reality that it was just absolute delusion so when we're caught in when we we start down this road of false speech it it takes us absolutely away from clarity and we're lost and we can be lost in delusion and then sometimes we create, we lie, and then you have to have another lie to cover that lie, and on and on and on and on. I'm sure you've um, uh, all, all um, experienced that. Um, 
And so it, it's a way, again, it's a way of, of separating ourselves. It's a, a lie is a wall. False speech is a wall. Um, so we can investigate why we do it. Why did I do that? Sometimes I would do it just because it was habit. And then it's like, I don't even know why I did that. And then I'd have to go, oh, you know what? That wasn't true. And it's like when we can be true, there's a liberation. There's a fact, a, a flavor of liberation. I mean, accountability. It's like there's a freedom because we don't have to carry this this baggage that just kind of tightens us up and constricts us. And it's just like ugh, this stuff we carry. Um, it's hard to sit. It's hard to be mindful when we carry this baggage. There's another side of this false speech and being truthful, and that is um, lying by omission, meaning not saying things that need to be said. Like, um, did anybody see something and just not saying anything? It's like, well, I didn't lie. It's like, yeah, but you didn't say something that needed to be said. You know, it's about a call to speak when necessary. It's incredibly important to say what needs to be said. Buddhists sometimes have this rap of getting, you know, not not wanting to be hurtful with our speech. And I'll, I'll talk about this more in a bit. But we have to say what's necessary. In fact, this 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 factor is a commitment to truth. It's a commitment to truth and it's a commitment to to right view. And it's of paramount importance, paramount importance. So that's that's around false speech. And then the next wrong speech is divisive or slanderous. It's um, it's when we we talk crap about other people. In fact, there's the 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 the, the sutta that talks about it. It says what is heard here is not said there, and what is heard there is not said here. So it's like we don't carry tales. Um, it's because uh, slander is talking crap about people, and obviously it can cause harm, and it can really cause harm when it's not true, when we're just making stuff up, and that falls into the um, um, uh, false speech category, you know. And and what we're doing is fanning flames of division. We're fan, you know, it's like, why do we gossip? Why do we gossip? I know oftentimes it's to make ourselves feel better. It comes from that place of judgment and comparison. Um, and it's so prevalent these days. It's so prevalent these days. It's everywhere. Um, you can see it in, in newspapers and social media. It's just, just make it, people just make stuff up. And, and put it on the internets and therefore it's true. I can, I have, there's all this lovely technology, you know, you get word swag on your phone or Canva on your laptop and you make these pretty memes and you put it up there and it's like, well, it's, I saw it on the interweb, so it's got to be true. And so there's these negative feedback loops and you said that and blah, blah, and uh, it just causes so much harm. And so um, it's, you know, we have this con continual conditioning and, and reinforcement, and we live so often inside bubbles that it takes tremendous effort to not get caught up in that, that slander, that divisive speech. It's so important, that gossip. 
even on a, on a one-to-one level about with friends. It's, and, um, you know, and I find, I sometimes find the allure of it because it, it, if I can share this with that person, then we have an intimacy at the expense of someone else. So it's really, really, there's a lot of reflection that takes place as, as we move through this, these, these, uh, steps, these, these, um, uh, factors, you know, and, and the opposite of this is speech that promotes friendship and harmony that comes again from that mind of metta and karuna, compassion and kindness, again, driven by intention. I want to face the world with kindness and goodwill. Really important. And then the next of the, of the uh, fault, wrong speech is harsh speech. You know, it's, it's caused, um, this is uttered in anger, in aversiveness to cause pain. That's a lot of times that when I was talking about a, a few moments ago, that stuff that's just reactive. It comes from that pre-verbal reactivity to some kind of experience we have. Either you say something to me or I see something or I hear something or I, I read something, I think something make up stories in my head about what you meant by looking at me that way. Meanwhile, you just couldn't see me because you didn't have your glasses on. And I'm creating a whole story in my head and I'm going to go. And, and we're just so to really show up with kindness, watch the scolding speech, watch the insults, watch the um, sarcasm, watch the emotional tone of how we talk to each other, um, you know, because like I said, this is rooted in aversion and um, um, maybe anger. And, you know, there are places in the world where it's a cultural experience to talk, you know, kind of jokingly putting each other down or sarcasm, like where I grew up in East Coast and, you know, the Northeast sarcasm was a, a way. And sometimes when I go back there, we still get into this little, you know, with friends, this kind of, um, interaction, but, you know, even in jest, even these insults in jest can condition to mind, can, can condition the mind to move in that direction. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. And then I get into a situation where people are not used to talking that way and I'm saying these things and it's landing on them like, what? Um, I've had that experience. So I've spent, as I've said many, many times, really working on my sarcasm. I would rather let go of it, renounce it because of the harm it causes than to hold on to it because I'm good at it and it's fun. It's really um, what's what's important here. And if I'm committed to the intention of kindness and compassion than to let go of anything that's um, the opposite of that or goes contrary to that. And the Buddha, the Buddha said that all, all our speech should be soothing to the ear. And in fact, um, this, is a, this is a very famous sutta, the, the parable of the saw, the teaching of the saw, I think is the name of the sutta. And it's and he says the Buddha says patience and patience in our speech is necessary, even if 
Monks, robbers and murderers saw through your limbs and joints. Whosoever should give way to anger, threat, would not be following my voice. For thus ought each to train yourselves. Undisturbed shall our mind remain, with heart full of love and free from any hidden malice. And that person shall we penetrate with loving thoughts, wide, deep, boundless, freed from anger and hatred. So that can be misconstrued as being passive. But what I think it's pointing to instead is not saying stop. You don't say you don't let folks cut you up. You don't you can say stop cutting my arms and legs off. But do it kindly. I mean, again, this is like graduate level stuff. This is something the Buddha might do. I don't know if I would be that way if somebody started sawing my arms and legs off. Or, you know, it popped into my head, the Monty Python routine. It's only a flesh wound, the knights who say me. It's only a flesh wound. But to have a heart with kindness and compassion. Again, recognizing that it's important to not be caught in reactivity but to have an awareness of how we respond say what needs to be said absolutely say this is not okay you cannot cause harm but i am not going to harm you with my communication around that we can be stern we can set boundaries but we don't want to do it mean so that's incredibly important and, and something that we need to investigate. How do we show up with this? And, and this is not something that you get overnight. It takes a lot of practice. It takes a lot of willingness to look and see, maybe this lifetime is not going to happen for me, but can I hold it up as, a, as an ideal of where I want to walk towards? I think that's really important to not judge ourselves about where we are. To recognize that, you know what, that's a long, that's a long haul for me to get to, but I want to see if I can move incrementally in that direction. And then another part of this about harsh speech is internal. How do you speak to yourself? What names do you call yourself? when you're being unkind, when you're being judging, when you're in comparing mind. Really be willing to let go of harsh speech when you talk to yourself and bring in kind and compassionate speech. So important. So important. But you get to treat yourself as you treat others. It's not like treat, it's, it's, yeah, treat others as you would like to be treated, but treat yourself as you are treating others as well. So that is also a place to investigate wise speech, wise communication in between the years, in between the years. And then this last piece of the, the uh, wrong speech is this idle chatter, gossip. Point, it's what it is. It's pointless talk or speech that lacks purpose. And it's, it's distracting. It's distracting. It takes us away from things that are important. Um, another great sutta, very famous, talks about this. And, and to remember that this is towards monastics. So monastics have this, this parameter about idle chatter. 
So talk about, this is what you should not talk. This is what you should not um, um, talk about. Kings, thieves, and ministers of state, armies, perils, and wars, food, drink, garments, and beds, garlands, and scents, relatives, vehicles, villages, towns, cities, countries, women, heroes, street talk and talk by the well, the departed, miscellaneous talk, speculation about the world and the sea, talk about becoming this or that. That is a, um, that's like, what do you get to talk about? You get to talk about the Dharma. You get to talk about the nature of suffering and the end of suffering. But that's for monastics. Obviously, um, householders like us, there are other things. We can have a conversation over dinner. It's not like, you know, no, you can't. You can't do that. It's to just have this quality of mindfulness and watch, especially not necessarily in speech, but with our other forms of communication these days, you know, all the social media, the Twitter and the Facebook and the Instagram and the TikTok and all these other, and Reddit and all these other things, that's a lot of idle chatter. You can get lost in those for a long time. So being mindful about that. And I'll talk more about this next week when we do wise action. Because Thich Nhat Hanh says, watch what you ingest. Watch what you take in. You know, guard those sense doors. Because it can just, when we become distracted, we're not paying attention. You know, and, and we lose discernment and we lose clarity. And when we're not paying attention, you know, it's, we take in all kinds of stuff. That may not be true. So it's really important, especially today. So those are what you don't want to do and what you do. And, and then what, how you do want to move through the world is um, make sure what you're doing is the communication is timely. Is this the right time? Because you, it can be true, it can be kind, it can be gentle, but maybe it's not necessarily the right time for something. So to really pay attention to doing things um, uh, appropriately. You know, un, uh, feedback for someone that they may not want to hear, uh, maybe not in front of their coworkers, maybe privately. So really be uh, being timely is also being kind. True. I talked about false speech. So being true, saying what needs to be said. You know, um, sometimes we're deeply conditioned not to speak the truth. Um, but we have to really uh, be willing to, to be honest in how we communicate all the time. And this mindfulness um, and be willing to investigate, to be clear, to make sure we're not caught in, caught up in stories. You know, is what we are saying actually connected to reality or are we just parroting, you know, our old thinking? So this true means really, um, as I said, that, that uh, dedication to reality. 
um, make sure what we say is gentle. That our, Even if we're saying difficult things, telling people that we want to break up with them, you know, that has to be said if something is or telling someone that they're they that you're letting them go from their job. Nobody wants to hear that. But you can say it in a way that's kind and gentle. You don't have to be harsh. And maybe it'll they'll hear it. Um, if you can be kind in, in the way you say things is what you're saying necessary so often it's not, you know, I create, ma I have fantasies of things I'm going to tell people. I have conver long conversations with them, most of which is about pointing to me and, and none of it's necessary. Or if I find myself wanting to respond on social media, 99.44, of that is unnecessary. And can I just let that go? Really important quality here. Um, and then um, it's actually the opposite of idle chatter. It's making sure that what is said is, is needs to be said. Um, and there's this wholesome engagement. Um, and then is it kind, which is like um, that kind speech. What did... What did Buddha say? Yeah, the, around these things. Is it spoken at the proper time? Is it true? Is it spoken gently? Is it beneficial or necessary? Is it spoken with a mind of loving kindness? What's the intention? Is there loving kindness as an intention? Or is there some other intention? Because we can say something true at the right time we can say it gently but we can our intention can be somewhat less than kind so there's a whole investigation that needs to happen before we communicate and sometimes you have to take time I think I mentioned it before but I, I um, when I respond to things I sometimes wait a day to get let the emotions subside because I want to just lash out but I have to really take some time to let the emotions subside and, and see what's true what's real what do I need to say uh, if I do need to say something what's appropriate and how do I say it without causing harm um, saying something that somebody doesn't want to hear doesn't equate with causing harm it's just unpleasant it's just unpleasant so um, yeah, I think I've probably said all I need to say, except really this is so important, this right speech, right communication. It's so important to really um, be, be cognizant of all aspects because so much harm is caused. So much harm is happening today. I mean, there's... There's a there's a thing called the big lie, you know, um, and racism and and sexism and 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 homophobia and and classism and all these things, all this harm that's caused by things that are not true. People do it unwittingly and people do it intentionally. Q, it's intentional. It's all intentional. 
None of that stuff is true. So it's just really, 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 uh, it's so important. It's so important how much harm is caused by wrong communication. Um, and so I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. And I have one more thing I want to, uh, I want to uh, uh, read. And I think this is self-indulgent, but I did this on Thursday and they said I should do it again. So, you know, I mentioned that um, at the beginning, we, um, what we say has impact and sometimes we never know what the impact will be. So I have, I'm going to read a little thing from The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which is one of my favorite books. I read this book like five or seven times, um, haven't read it in years, but it's talking about how what we say, we don't know the harm it will cause. So this is uh, tangentially related to why speech. It's, of course, well known that careless talk costs lives, but the full scale of the problem is not always appreciated. For instance, at the very moment that Arthur, the protagonist of the book, said, I seem to be having tremendous difficulty with my lifestyle. A freak wormhole opened up in the fabric of the space-time continuum and carried his words far, far back in time across almost infinite reaches of space to a distant galaxy where strange and warlike beings were poised on the brink of frightful interstellar battle. The two opposing leaders were meeting for the last time. A dreadful silence fell across the conference table as the commander of the Verlhergs, resplendent in his black jeweled battle shorts, shorts gazed levelly at Sigugvent leader, squatting opposite him in a cloud, a cloud of green, sweet-smelling steam, and with a million sleek and horribly beweaponed star cruisers poised to unleash electric death at his single word of command, challenged the vile creature to take back what it had said about his mother. The creature stirred in his sickly broiling vapor, and at that very moment the words, I seem to be having tremendous difficulty with my lifestyle, drifted across the conference table. Unfortunately, in the Verlhurg tongue, this was the most dreadful insult imaginable, and there was nothing for it but to wage terrible war for centuries. Eventually, of course, after their galaxy had been decimated over a few thousand years, it was realized that the whole thing had been a ghastly mistake, and so the two opposing battle fleets settled their few remaining differences in order to launch a joint attack on our galaxy now positively identified as the source of the offending remark. For thousands more years, the mighty ships tore across empty wastes of space and finally dived screaming onto the first planet they came across, which happened to be the Earth, where, due to a terrible miscalculation of scale, the entire battle fleet was accidentally swallowed by a small dog. Those who study the complex interplay of cause and effect in the history of the universe say that this sort of thing is going on all the time, but that we are powerless to prevent it. It's just life, they say. So, you never know where your words will land. So be very cautious in how you communicate with others.
Thank you for visiting Undefended Dharma. These teachings are freely offered. However, if you would like to make a donation to help support the technology that makes these podcasts possible, please visit marystancavage.org backslash support. Thank you.